You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all your latest info and behind the scenes juice on Bachelor in Paradise. And he's interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. Steve, and we have a very special guest today. A lot of you have asked and told me, like, hey, we keep seeing a bunch of Rachel's guys doing interviews and podcasts. When are you going to have any of them on? And, you know, social media times have changed with this show, and I thought, you know what? You're right. So I figured, reach out to somebody. Sure enough, here he is. He is the uh, prosecuting attorney from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It is Josiah Graham. Josiah, what's up? What's up? How you I'm doing? No longer, I'm great, man. I'm no longer a prosecutor, though. Oh, you're not? So, oh. No, no. I, I um, Now I do personal injury. Okay. I work at a firm called Kelly Ustall. Really cool, man, but it's um, still fun. Yeah, I can imagine. I know we're going to get to something a little bit later about a case oh. that you recently oh, yeah, just yeah, won yeah. that you uh, awesome. posted about on Instagram. I want to hear about that. But um, I, okay. I want to talk first off <clears> – <throat> With you in regards to this show and this being the first black bachelorette that we ever had, a first black lead of any of the 34 seasons of this show, I'm curious uh-huh. about where you came along in the process. Were you someone that was cast after Rachel was announced? Were you already in the casting process because you thought it might be her? Or did they come find you after they made Rachel the announcement that Rachel was the bachelorette? Well, so... It's a good question. So they found me. I was having lunch downtown Fort Lauderdale. Um, I can tell you the date. It was November 22nd, 2016. Okay. I remember that date the next day, which is the 23rd. And I remember I was having lunch the day before my birthday with some buddies. And um, someone I saw someone at lunch and she said, you know, she asked me if I was single and, you know, what do I do for a living? And, you know, would I be interested in something like that? And I said, sure. Now, this was before they um, announced Rachel. Um, now does that mean <laughs> I'm pretty sure they knew it, you know? Yeah. I think, I, I don't think it was, um, for sure at that moment, but it was definitely, um, I definitely got the vibe that, that Rachel know, was they, a front they, runner of theirs and they wanted to. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, you know, I, I could, I definitely had the impression that she was someone who they were, you know, really interested in. Because November 22nd, that's basically about three or four days after Nick's season was done filming. So they were still – I mean, they were six weeks away from Nick's season even starting to air. But obviously – you, you know the days better than me. I don't, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So obviously they knew Rachel didn't win. Obviously they were yeah, working yeah, on the yeah. show. So, yeah. uh-huh. okay, it makes sense. Um, yeah. So once you got going with the casting process, at what point did you find out it was Rachel? When they announced it on TV, question. Um, Yeah, that that is actually how it happened. They announced it on TV, um, but you know, you could kind of always you you always feel things out, and people kind of give you like a wink or maybe I don't know, it could be, but I never knew for sure, honestly, until until they announced it. Did you you watch next season? I went back and I watched it. So at that time, I didn't watch it. Um, but I did go back and watch it just to familiarize myself with Rachel and to see if that was someone who I was, you know, really uh, willing to get to know. You and know, I definitely wanted to. I, I was like, OK, wh- what is she like? And, you know, to see if there's somebody I'd be interested in. And when I watched the show, I was like, wow, she's really cool. She's smart. She's beautiful. You know, all those things. And same line of work as you. Like it almost and seemed like line, you two yeah. on paper 
it seemed like you two were <laughs> on paper. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, we'll, and, we'll, and we'll get to that stuff as we get into the show. But immediately with you, once the show began, uh, we, yeah. we learned a lot about you in your intro video. You, yeah. you know, attorney in Florida. And, you know, I think even if the spoilers weren't out, I think people would have pegged you to go probably farther than you did just based on your oh, in- yeah, intro man. package. Um, for sure, man. It was a good intro package. Um, you know, if I, if I said if, if the show ended just from the intro package, man, I think won. I was winning. <laughs> yeah. No, without a doubt. I mean, but, it but was. I, but, but I, um, yeah, see, I, the thing about it is, man, I didn't watch previous seasons, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I was, I'm not going to lie and say I never saw it. I would see it in passing and, you know, um, but I wasn't like one of those avid watchers. So I had like a lot of coworkers, a lot of female coworkers would tell me, okay, this is what to do, what not to do. You know, I, I kind of wish I would have like paid more attention to the show or just to done more homework. So I kind of feel like, you know, I came off in a way where I didn't really want to come off, yeah. but it was like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like the thing is this, right? So I'm just a naturally funny guy. I'm always silly. I'm always cracking jokes. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, right? So I'm playing around on the show. Everyone knows I'm joking. All the cast knows I'm joking because we're all friends. We're all, in, you know, we're all really good buddies. Well, most of us are, right? Yeah. But then when you watch it at home, it's like, oh my god, this guy is a freaking cocky asshole. Yeah. But it's like they're not, they're not in there when we are all joking, saying the same crap, right? Yeah. And then you know, I mean, you're having these one-on-one talks. And you're joking and you're talking to the camera about, you know, what not. I'm the sexiest guy in here. And it's like, clearly I'm joking. So like, for, for, so my friends will watch it think it's hilarious. But then I'm watching back and I'm looking at Twitter. And I'm looking at some people and they're like, man, this guy, oh, who the hell does he think he is? I'm like, wow, they take this show seriously. Yeah, no. It's- <laughs> I didn't realize like it, it had like, I'm like, wow, people really like. I'm just having fun. I'm just being silly. I'm just saying things. And it's like, wow. And they're like, oh my God, does he really think? And it was, I mean, it was, it was, it was interesting. It's, it's almost like you, you, you were obviously playing it up for the cameras, like especially on that first yes. episode, you were just playing yeah, it up. Like, course. Oh man, I'm the sexiest like, man here. Yeah, what are you talking I, about? Yeah. I'm going to get this. How the hell do I know if I'm going to get a first impression rose? <laughs> but it's like, so let, let me tell you where the mistake I made. So when you come in the house, right, I, I think, and I don't know this body, but, but I think that they get a feel of like how you are. And then that first night and then they play into that. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I started acting like that, I mean, I couldn't leave a freaking interview without them trying to make me be cocky yeah. since that day. You know what I mean? It's like, so it's like, it's like I dug my own grave. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, okay, now we had, it's like I made my storyline that first night. Every freaking interview, it's like, it's like I can't finish an interview without, you know what I mean, asking me a question which would come off as cocky. I mean, even oh, yeah. my exit interview, like in my exit interview, dude. So when I say, and people are, people don't understand. I know you get it, but like a lot of people, they don't, they don't understand like the editing. They'd be like, "Man, I don't know. Like, that's you. Like, how can you blame it on editing, right?" Yeah, dude. Like, it, man. So, <laughs> I said so many sweet things about Rachel in my exit interview. It was probably a forty-five minute exit interview. I gave her a hug and I said some nice things to her. Well, before I left, I said, "You know what, Rachel? I said there are nothing amazing men here. I have no doubt you're going to find love with one of these guys because these guys are all out at standing or whatever, whatever." I said those things, right? 
none of that airs, right? <laughs> none of that, none of that makes it because that doesn't fit my storyline. Yeah, you know what I'm saying that doesn't exactly. fit. That's not a, that's not, it's not cocky. Talk, you know, so we cut that. So like when you watch it, you see me walk up to her and then you see me like leave. You know what I mean? It's like, and then in the exit interview. They don't show the question. Yeah, you're killing. You're killing Matt. You're killing Alex. You're like, how are they, How is she picking these guys over me? Like KGB well, guy. Like, but then you don't hear the. So obviously that's a joke. Yeah. You know what I mean, so that that goes that then goes again to my story. You know, to, to the your character. joking. Yeah. yeah. And then so so the so the whole thing is they don't see the times when we're joking offset or even on camera, but this doesn't make the air when Alex is calling himself a KGB agent. They don't see that. They don't see the the times where we call that doll a Mike Myers doll. They don't see those things, right? Yeah. And they also don't see the person asking me a question like, oh, man, like, look at you. Dude, like, no one thought you are going to go home, man. You're... So then I'm like, yeah, no one thought I was going to go <laughs> I'm saying that in the rest- – I'm not – I didn't just walk up to the camera and be like, no, no one thought I was – like, yeah. that's the prompting. It's the prompting. Man, I'm not blaming them for it because, I mean, they they do a great job, man. Those producers are – they man, trust me, man, they – they make their money, you know, they, they know they what earn they're doing. It. They know what they're doing. They've been doing this. They know what season. the hell what they're they know what the hell they're doing. So when they say stuff like, Oh, come on, Josiah, like, you know, when I'm when I'm being so humble and I'm being saying all these nice things, they're like, Yeah, 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 we know, we know, but but don't you kind of question her judgment though? Yeah. Cause like, cause look, look who's in like come on out. Adam? Oh yeah. Guy has a weird doll, like, and look at you, right? <laughs> And then my response is, yeah, I don't know if she's a guy with a dog. But then, and then they turn the music up, and it's like, yeah. yeah. It's, no, it's, it's it's funny, man. But um, I mean, it's funny, but it's like, at the same time, it's like, wow, like, people really start to dislike you based on, you know, these little things. And I'm like, man, like, out of, out of all the edits, that was the one I was the most disappointed in, you know, it was that one. Because every other one, was like I could say, you know what, I own that. Like I, I really wanted there trying to be silly or trying to be obnoxious and you know, in a funny way, in a lighthearted way. But in the exit interview, I really felt like um I I, I really felt like they were pulling that out of me. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Oh, like okay. everything everything else was like obviously they're pulling things out of me, but it's like I know what's going on. It's like all right, whatever. But in the exit interview I felt like they had so much footage or so much material of these being so humble. I, I honest to God thought, okay they were going to show, you know, what Josiah leaves and he's finally humbled or whatever. Like I thought that was going to be the story. And then when I, and then when I see me leaving, it's like, I'm talking shit about everybody. (laughs) And I'm just like questioning her judgment. And then it's like, then the music gets all loud and my voice, you can, and it's like, and then you hear the background noise and it's just like, man, but I mean, it is what it is, man. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's something that if you aren't a, quote unquote veteran of this show and don't understand the inner workings of it. Yeah. You can get caught up in something like that. You know, I mean, there's no no way around it. And it's like, let's say if I had, if I did it again, like if let's say someone asked me a question and they prompted me, I wouldn't give them what they wanted. I think a good example of this, right. Is I remember there was an interview with Dean and we're talking about Lee and we're talking about like, you know, him be acting a certain way to certain people in the house, right? Yeah. Towards certain people. And then Dean was like, yeah, he's being like that towards certain people in the house. And then the producer was like, um, what do you mean? And then, you know what I'm saying? Like, and then he was like, you know what I, he was like, you know what I mean? Like they actually aired her saying, asking that question because it wouldn't make no sense if he said, you know, but it's like, I wish I would have done it like that. You know what I mean? 
where no. it's like kind of, it kind of forces them, said something in such a way where it kind of forces them to like you hear the actual dialogue, the conversation, as opposed to you just giving a monologue. You know what I mean? Or just don't give into a period. Just be, just you know, have more control and be like, you know what? This soundbite, even though it, in context it sounds cool, isolated, it's not going to sound so great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? I so hear it's you. Like, so I wish I would known that game a little more. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Okay, guys, time to talk to you about Sunbasket. Summer is almost over. In fact, for some of you, maybe your kids have already gone back to school. I know my niece and nephew have. Remember when the summer was just long, lazy days and nothing to do but laying out by the pool and basically doing nothing? Well, in the real world, summer is just as hectic as every other time of the year. And that's awesome, and that's why I'm glad I have Sunbasket now. Sunbasket makes it easy to cook delicious, seasonal, nutritious meals no matter how busy I get. Sunbasket sends organic, non-GMO ingredients pre-measured and ready to go so I can prepare my meals in 30 minutes or less. I've told you about this, guys. I am not a cook. I've never been a cook. But when Sunbasket came aboard to sponsor the podcast, got some meals from them, and... Even I, who can't cook worth a lick, was able to follow the instructions and get this thing done. So with Sunbasket, you can take the guesswork out of preparation, make cleanup easier, and skip the grocery store. They give you everything you need. They've got meals to fit every lifestyle. Choose from paleo, gluten-free, lean and clean, and vegetarian options created by a award-winning chef and approved by nutritionists. Sunbasket meals are quick and always delicious. I can definitely find the time for that. Grilled chicken breasts with salsa verde and white bean salad. That's my new favorite one. I eat a lot of chicken. I eat a lot of chicken breasts. I need something to spice it up. And that salsa verde with the white bean salad, good for me. Uh, go to sunbasket.com slash Steve today. Get 50% off your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash Steve to get 50% off your first order. Sunbasket.com slash Steve. Now let's get more back to more of Josiah Graham. I, I don't want to bring the the mood down a little bit because you were definitely on a roll there with everyone, everything you oh, said. Oh, my, my bad. No, no, yeah, but yeah. I want to I talk about your intro video and the stuff that you growing up had to deal with because i think sure, it's, sure. it's a huge part of your story and absolutely you said and, it and, and, and i was disappointed because i had a there was a real moment on the show that i didn't get played you know what i'm saying and it was so disappointing to me that was uh, most disappointing and again it didn't fit my story yeah it didn't fit you know what i'm saying it didn't fit the cockiness and you know me crying on tv or me you now because i cried you know i broke down in one moment right that didn't make anything you know, and it's like, wow, I was shocked. I was like, huh. I was like, I mean, on one hand, I was like, okay, like, I'm not looking like a pussy on TV. I'm not crying. That's good. Yeah. On the other hand, I was like, wow, that I think that would have shed a different light on me, you know, but, but it is what it is. But, but yeah, so, I mean, growing up, you know, I grew up in a rough area in South Florida. Um, um, yeah, man, got in trouble when I was young, breaking into different places with some kids, just being stupid, you know, not really like, wasn't, never really was a thug because I was always smart. You know what I mean? I was educated. My dad came from Jamaica and raised me right. And my mom raised me right. But, you know, I was raised in a rough area. Um, but you know, my brother, he was always bullied. He was older than me and he was overweight and, he he just couldn't take it. He was different from me and my other brother. So he was always bullied and stuff. He was always picked on for being obese. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the thing about it is interesting is that 
even though he was always bullied and he would never fight back, when it came to me, he was like the best, the best big brother. I remember a particular moment where this guy named Leroy down the street came to me and he had to get a pit bull. I don't remember the dog, but he was acting. He was about to like sick the dog on me. And my brother like stepped up front, you know, to protect me. Now he would have never done that for himself, but I just remember him always doing stuff like that for me it was weird. Um, but then, so he was bullied. He was bullied throughout his life. And I remember I was supposed to start the second grade at North Andrews Gardens Elementary School. Mm-hmm. It was August 26, 1986, back to school morning. And he was supposed to start sixth grade at Parkwood Middle. So he was leaving elementary school and going into middle school. And I remember, I want to say within that year, I remember, you know, always playing and we, we always would build tree houses and stuff. And I remember there was a rope. And I remember I wanted to make a swing. And I came into his room looking and I found it. And, I said, and then he wouldn't let me get it. And then I remember him saying to me, don't worry, you'll get it back one day. Mm-hmm. And it, did, it never made much sense to me at that time until the morning of August 26, 1996, which was a Monday morning. Um, you know, my, my, my dad, you know, a routine, he gets up, up and wakes us up. My mom was, she was an overnight um, nurse at the county jail. She was a charge nurse at the Broward County main jail. Um, my grandma was in town from Jamaica visiting. And I mean, you notice that back to school morning, all your clothes are laid out and you have your shoes there. You're like, okay, I'm going to wear this. I'm going to do that. And you, you can't even sleep that night. But I remember waking up that morning and then my dad is asking, you know, where's Sammy? Where's Sammy? So we're, we're looking around the house. We're looking around. And I just remember like going back. I remember looking in weird places. I mean, is old, but I remember looking in places where he couldn't even fit. Like I remember looking underneath the sink cabinet. I don't know why. It's just you know these are just things I think about over over the years. Like I'm like, why the hell look there? Like he obviously couldn't. No one could fit in there, you know. Yeah. But anyways, these are places we looked until we looked um, through the bathroom window, and you know I remember just seeing him hovering. And as a child, I didn't know, you know, at the, I didn't know what that meant. I just remember, I remember I didn't see his feet on the ground, but I saw him and I was like, daddy, you know, he's in the backyard. Um, and then we, he ran, my dad ran outside through the sliding door. There was a back glass sliding door. He ran outside and he said, grab a knife. And then I don't remember if it was me or my brother Dave, but one of us grabbed the knife. Um, and we went up there and we helped him, you know, cut him down and he mm-hmm. brought him inside. Yeah, man. And he brought him brought him inside into the living room, laid him down, and um I called nine one one. And then I remember we had one of those doors that it's always open on the inside, always, no matter if you lock it or close or, or, or unlock it. Yeah. But the thing is it's tricky because then you might forget, you know, it's locked and it locks on the outside. And I remember accidentally locking myself out and the police coming, right? And the police coming there, and I'm just a seven-year-old kid. And then the police was like, "Open the door," and I'm, and I couldn't. And then he just took out his flashlight, just banging on my door, banging, like almost broke the door down. And someone opened the door, like you know, like ten seconds, fifteen seconds later, and them coming in there, man. And um, and the ambulance. I mean, the street was filled. Like I've never seen that many cop cars, fire trucks, ambulances. I mean, there was news reporters, all the local news was there. I don't know how they figure this stuff out like that. But, I mean, our whole street. And I remember my mom, I just remember seeing that blue Volvo driving so fast down our street, coming around the corner. 
and she almost like crashed and she just jumped out and no one called her and told her, you know, this is when like, we didn't have cell phones back then, but she just said she had a weird gut feeling. Once she saw the police on our street, she just knew she said at that moment, she just exact, she knew exactly what it was. I don't, I don't know how, or I remember her jumping out and, um, and running inside and I'm, I'm outside in the, in the garage and I go up to this, um, this young white female police officer. And I remember just asking her, you know, is he dead? And she, I remember her, she put her, her arm, her hand on my right shoulder and she just, she nodded, you know, and, mm. and that, and that was it, you know, that was the story. And wow. then, um, yeah. Then after that, we, uh, we did, um, we, uh, you know, we were on some, you know, some TV shows about bullying and stuff like that. I remember we did the Mari Povich show, um, Povich, this is before he was a, just a baby mama TV show. Yeah. Um, he was a real, you know, a real, um, talk show host. We did Ricky Lake. I remember being on Ricky Lake wow. back in nine, like 97. We did, um, Sally, just Raphael. And we just talked about, you know, the, um, just how the effects of bullying, you know, and the effects of, um, Cause I think that was back then. You don't. I mean, you hear about a suicide every month now about a kid having a suit, you know, and doing it on social media. But back then, yeah. it was kind of unheard of, especially in the black community. Um, and man, so like, so me, man, I'm really big on, really big on, like, you know, kids. So that's why, like, a lot of stuff I do is for kids. That's why I volunteered the guardian at Lightham. You know, that's why I volunteer. That's why when I became a prosecutor, I first started in the juvenile unit. I started working with kids. I started at, so I every, even though I'm no longer a prosecutor, every time our office does an expungement workshop for kids, I'm there. Yeah. Anything to do with kids, man. Um, because, you know, ever, ever since that moment, it, it's, that, that was a pivotal moment in my life that kind of molded me into just caring about, you know, the youth and the less fortunate and, and, and the, always the underdog. So every time I was always taller than kids and, and growing up, I was always bigger, you know, taller. So I could have easily bullied people. But I remember always befriending the the loner. You know, what I mean, I was always the cool kid. I was always the one with all the ladies and all the stuff. But I remember always befriending that one kid that nobody would talk to, you know, and it's because because of Sammy, you know, because I remembered, um, you know, how important, you know, words are and the effects of, you know, saying negative things to people. Um so yeah, so so that's that that's how that that story started, and because and after that, man, I just I don't know, man, I just started hanging out with the wrong crowd. I was going to say I have a, because yeah. that, at that point, you're second grade, you're confused. It's a tragic yeah. story, and I I appreciate you retelling that. That couldn't have been easy. So no, I, no, I really appreciate fine, that. Man. And I when when we when we go and and you talk about that and. You mentioned it on the show, I think, in the indoor package and when in your first conversation with Rachel the first night is right after that, maybe you lost your way a little bit and you turned to hanging with the wrong crowd. And um, Exactly. So so I started hanging with the wrong crowd because, you know, although I have another brother, Dave, who's two years older than me, um, we were I don't know how to explain it. Like, it's weird when I tell people, but we were never really like close growing up. I mean, we didn't have any beef or anything, but it's like. You know, I've always yearned for like wanted like an older brother, you know, and Sam was that older brother and Dave and I love him to death. But it's like we were in high school together. He was a senior. I was a freshman and we'd walk right past me. No one knew we were brothers. You know, wow. it was that it was that weird relation. You know what I'm saying? So so I always had an older brother figure. There was this there was this one guy named Ace who was really cool. with My brother, Sammy, they were like best friends. 
and he became like my big brother figure. But this guy went to prison like three or four times. He's done three years in state prison, five years in a federal prison. Um, you know, but he's always had money. He's always had cars. I mean, the Benz, the Bentley, the Jaguar. You know, he's always had his own house since he was like 19 because he was selling dope and he was and he was had prostitutes. You know, so I I'll, so I looked up to like gravitated towards people like that because he was seven years older than me. You know what I mean? So I was always with the older kid, or Watley, this guy named Watley, um, who lives down the street from me. He's doing 18 years in the state prison now. You know, or Greg Victor, you know what I'm saying? Greg, who did 10 years in the state prison for murder. No, excuse me, for carjacking. Mm-hmm. You know, so these are all the guys that I gravitated towards. And then ultimately, I mean, I did so much stuff and getting in trouble and breaking into places. And But it's like I never got caught, right? Until at one time um, when I was 12 or th- at 12 and I got caught and then I was arrested for it. And, um, and I was confronted with a, a great opportunity, man, because... I'm so happy I got caught because if I would have continued down that trajectory, man, a, a lot of those guys I named, yeah. you know, could've all, all you. of them are, it could have been me. It could have been I mean, so easy. I mean, and honest, and honestly, Josiah, it probably would have been you. It I probably would have been. You would have gotten busted for something if that was 100%. what you were doing and all those guys were getting caught. You definitely would have gotten caught. A hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. And I'm um, so, and a lot of my friends are dead, man. I remember TJ was brutally murdered. You know, Luke was brutally murdered. I mean, I have friends, you know, I have so many friends that are killed or in prison. And it's like, man, man, I'm so glad that, you know, because a lot of people, man, they, they get that slap on the wrist. You know, I didn't go to like prison, prison. I went there after I got arrested. They took me downtown. And then the state attorney's office, they allowed me to do a, a juvenile, um, di- uh, a, uh, what do you call it? The diversion program, right? Mm-hmm. And not not everyone gets that opportunity, but a lot of people who do, they still mess up because they don't take it seriously. But that was like kind of like scared straight. It scared me straight because I realized that man, like I could just mess up my life that quick, you know. So I was mature in the sense that I didn't need another wake up call. That was it for me, man. So when I got arrested. And I remember my dad crying. Now, my dad was the disciplinarian. My mom was the one who would always cry. Never hit me, ever. Never. So I remember being in the back of the police car and a neighbor calling my mom because they saw me on the, on the other side of my neighborhood. And dad and my mom showed up. My dad is just there crying. And and my mom reached in the car. And I remember she she punched me in the face. Like, it never hit me before, never hit me after, never 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 spanked me my dad was always that person i remember them coming to the station and my dad coming and picking me up and i'm terrified as to what the beating i'm going to get when i get home but my dad all he did was he hugged me and he cried he just hugged me and he cried because he felt like i was just going to be another statistic he felt like there was no there was no, there was no type of discipline he could have given me at that moment that would have i don't know prevent like you know what i'm saying he was just so hurt that he said, man, there was nothing I can do at that moment. And that's that moment right there changed me because I was like, wow, like this is so bad that my dad wouldn't even spank me. Like I it was kind of like, I wish he would have spanked me, you know, cause it's like when or discipline me or did something, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so I knew, so I knew that, you know, like, okay, all right. So we're going to get, move on from this. It was almost as if, it was almost as if he washed his hands with me. He's like, he, you know, he didn't, but it's like, that's the feeling I got. And it was, so I, I, at that moment, I was like, all right, I'm going to prove him wrong. Because I remember him crying at the, at the police station and saying, man, I came all the way to the United States, you know, so I could have kids here. They could have a better life. 
and and you're you're becoming a thug. And I remember him saying that, and it 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 hurt me so much to hurt him that I was like, I will not be that person. And I remember going back to school, and I remember um, switching schools, and I remember like just just buckling down and getting even. I was already a straight A student, but I remember just excelling and doing better on this, you know, the the standardized tests and just focusing and and just being inspired and saying, you know what, I want to be a lawyer. Because when I went down um, to the diversion program, they sat me down with a judge who looked at my grades and said, Josiah, this ain't you. Yeah. This ain't you, man. This ain't you. You could be anything you want to be in your life, but you want to fuck it up. That's what he told me. Yeah. He said, you could be anything you want to be, man. And I said, you know, I want to be like you. And um, that's and that's the story, man. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I think what's also amazing about that is, you know, whether it's whether it's drugs or running with the wrong crowd or crime, whatever it may be. When people get mm-hmm. involved in that and something happens and they're, you see these people that maybe have turned their life around and changed, usually mm-hmm. it happens older. But at 12 years yeah. old, to know, to have the awareness at 12 to be like, you know what? I can't change. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's what what's saying amazing is, to me about your story. That's what's, I, when I look back at it, it's like, wow, man, I can't believe that. Because a lot of my friends, like all of my friends are like, dude, like, how did you do that? Like, how did you? You know, make it out. Like, how did you, you know, you are surrounded by us. You know, I mean, how did you keep your head on straight and 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 just like, you know, just stay focused and change? And I said, I, don't, I honestly, I don't have an answer, man. Yeah, I don't. I mean, other than other than the fact that I really didn't want to disappoint my dad. I mean, that's the that's the best thing when I when I go back and I try to and retrace my steps and to see how I got here. Man, it's really unbelievable, man. Like to one, I look at, you know, back at my past. I, I have this picture, man, and it has about nine of my friends, and I'm in there, and about there's three of them who are dead, and and the rest are convicted felons, except for me. You know wow. what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, and it, when I look at that picture, it's like, man, you know what I mean? It's I, like it's it's, it's, it's a success story. It's a story that. I mean, that is, it is such a good story because like I said, to know at 12 to turn that around, most people will, oh, yeah. will, will get their wake up call later on in life and like, man, oh, yeah. I got to stop doing drugs because I'm going to die. But yeah. you wouldn't no, recognize sure. that at 12 and to, to do they, that and, and then to not only, to not only make the determination at 12 that I am going to turn this around and not be a statistic to then turn into what you did and you end up yeah. becoming a lawyer, you know, go to law school, you mm-hmm. go to Florida State, you go to UCF, mm-hmm. you get your degrees, mm-hmm. and then to be where you're at right now and, like you said on the show, working at the same exact place that you got essentially convicted at, right? Yep, absolutely. The same exact place. Yeah. That's that's great. I mean, I, there's no other there's no other way to describe it. I mean, it's 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 Man, so impressive. Hey, everyone, I want to talk to you about Quip Toothbrush. Many recent studies suggest that having good oral health impacts your overall health. Yes, most of us don't brush our teeth properly. You can start by brushing better today. I know I went to an electric toothbrush about eight years ago, and it works. However, Quip, the new company that's refreshing the way people brush their teeth, 
They start at $25. It's an electric toothbrush that packs the premium vibration and timer features into an ultra-slim design. That's half the cost of the bulkier brushes, if not more than half the cost, since you know what I'm talking about if you've ever used any of those other electric toothbrushes. It's basically like Apple designed a toothbrush without the big price tag. You can even subscribe to receive new brush heads on a dentist-recommended three-month plan for just $5, including free shipping. You have to see it and brush with it for yourself. Quip is backed by leading dentists and was named as one of Time Magazine's best inventions of 2016. Plus, they even won a 2016 GQ Grooming Award and made it onto Oprah's 2017 New Year's O-List. And right now, go to getquip.com Steve to get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Steve, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Steve. Now for the remainder of the program, ad-free, my interview with Josiah Graham. It's why I wanted you on. I think there there were three guys from this season Mm -hmm. that I think have really good stories. And I've Mm -hmm. said it throughout the season in my column was, was you, Kenny, and Eric. I think Eric came mm-hmm. from kind of a similar background as you, and he's done really well for himself. He's not a lawyer, mm-hmm. obviously, but mm-hmm. Eric just seems like he is he's got his shit together. And he man, let me tell you one thing about Eric, man. Um, oh please. This guy is one of the most positive people that I've met in my life. Like this guy is a, a stud, man. I mean, every time he talks to you. And it's not like, you know, some people like do some stuff and they do it for TV and it, it turns off once the, when the cameras turn off. You know what I mean? They turn it on when the camera. Yeah. This guy is just such a good guy deep down inside. I mean, if you look at his videos, they go back years, man. He has YouTube stuff mm-hmm. from way before he knew he was where he was going to be. And it was just motivation. And even if he only had like 50 views or whatever, he's just trying to motivate somebody to do better. I remember at off off camera. This guy was training um, Alon, the um, the executive producer, and you know what I'm saying. And I remember them having that bond and like just them. And he was just saying, you know what? And he just motivated him. And that guy Alon, oh my God, he has a drive. This guy is he works out all the fucking time. He's lost a lot of weight from working out and eating right. Yeah. And and he's one of those people, man. He puts his mind to something. He's fucking he's just fucking crazy. But I remember Eric giving him a workout. And I'm like, man, there's no way. Yeah, this guy's gonna do it because it was such a sick workout and he did it and I just remember like that's just who Eric was he was always making someone better in the house and you know what I'm saying he was always I remember being down and just stressed out man and just saying telling him man I, man, I just don't I feel like I'm wasting my time here it's stressful I'm not used to this whole not being away from my phone I mean being away, I mean, excuse me being away from my phone being away from my friends Yeah. and then him just like encouraging me and saying man you know what Man, just man, stick it through, man. You're good, man. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna link up. And he was his miracle season. And and he was like he's really into like numerology and all the all the I don't agree with all all that stuff. You know, <laughs> but <laughs> but the the point is it's all positive. Yeah. You know, he'll say, Oh, he'll be like, When's your birthday? Now he'll tell him his birth your birthday, right? And he'll be like, Oh, this means this. Oh, this means that. Oh, that means that you know what I'm saying? And it's always like let's say we room together, right? We'll go in Norway or whatever, we'll have a room and he'll be like, Oh, that room's a three. That means this. That. And it's always something uplifting. He's never said anything negative. And so I'm so happy to see, you know what I'm saying, that all the notoriety he's getting right now, man, because, I mean, out of all the people on the show, um, I would say him and Matt 
Matt is the Matt's the nicest guy I've ever met. Honestly, the <laughs> nicest guy I've ever met in my life. It's it's weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> but but and, but Eric is like one of the most genuine guys I've met. Well, that's yeah. You you could just tell Eric. Uh, yeah. Looking at his background, Google searching him and just seeing stuff. Mm-hmm. Guy's written two books. He's a motivational speaker. He's you see that he obviously Man. works out. I mean, he's he's a. It seemed like the only thing with him on this show was that this show was about you know, love and being vulnerable and opening yourself up. And this is a guy that self-admittedly had never been in love his whole life and never, a girl never met his family. So it just wasn't, this show wasn't for him in terms of finding love, but he sure seemed to at least be open to it and come out of his shell a little bit and be open to things that maybe before he went on the show, he never even would have thought of being open about. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, I think he, uh, no, for sure, man, man, for sure, and the, the guy, man, he's never been in love, never had like a serious relationship, yeah. And a lot of these things, man, it's like he it just opened him up. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, and it opened him up, and man, he's gonna, um, man. I, I just got, to, I was just texting him earlier today, man, and um, always positivity, man, always positive, always, always saying something. You know, it's miracle season, or you know, or yeah. he always had some pun that just made just made your day better. Yeah, well, he certainly came across Always. that way on the show. Um, speaking of the show, let's let's jump back into a little bit of it uh, in terms of early on, and the first date that you were on was the group basketball date, and mm-hmm. you didn't see Demario confront his ex or side piece, whatever he wants to call her, until it aired, obviously. And I know it had only been a couple of days at that point of you even knowing the guy, but what vibe? Did Demario give you in those early days? Did you like him? Did you dislike him? Do you think he was a little cocky? I liked the guy, man. Yeah. To be honest, because it was like, uh, but I would say this: De- Demario brought that cocky side out of me because it was like it's hard. Look, so my my thing is this: so that's that. I guess that was my problem too. The first night, like I'm always I'm very competitive, right? Mm-hmm. And I see this guy; he's talking a big game, and like. I'm going to outdo, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, oh man, this guy, he's talking all this crap the first night and I'm trying to out talk him and do that. And he's in front of the camera. I'm like, no, he's not going to go in front of the camera more than me. So if I see him moving, I'm going to move too. And I'm like, (laughs) you know what I mean? But, um, but nah, man, Demario, I thought he was a solid dude. I thought he was funny as hell. And I thought he was, I thought he was just very witty, you know? Um, I mean, nobody thought about that girl from stuff. We all thought so. So we're all in the um, we're all in the in the gym, and when she comes in and tries and says, "Can I talk to Mario?" You know, again, this shows my naive my naivete. I didn't I didn't watch the show like that. Yeah. So in my head, I'm like, right, he's getting a group date, Rose. But I didn't. Then, and you know, you have like <laughs> producers, and you have like producers saying shit like, "Oh, like so soon? Would he get the group date, Rose, so early on in the day?" <laughs> And I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, why not? But I didn't realize that you don't get it until like, you know, the, the after the, party, like the, 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 the after party. You know what I mean? I don't know this stuff. I'm just like a guy. Just like, I don't know. They found me on November 22nd. You know, I just like, sure. This is awesome. So I, but I wasn't like one of those avid watchers. Right. So, yeah. so then like, so then we're talking amongst ourselves and someone else would be like, yeah, man, you don't get that until. And then, but I'm like, nah, man, like she can do what the hell she wants to do. You know, she's going to give him a rose because he was balling out and he picked her up. Like there was a moment where he like picked her up um, in the gym and they like, after he like dunked her, he, no, he like lift her up to dunk or something 
or they did an alley and he picked her up and I was like, wow, they had a good moment. Yeah. But then some of us were thinking, well, maybe cause he dunked on her. Like, you know, it's not, not, not a big deal. Yeah. But I, I wasn't sure if they were like trying to like, you know, make it all dramatic. Like she was going to like confront him for like dunking on her. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know what the hell was going on. I was like, you know, but I was giving a, but then, so we're talking about that, but I was giving an interview to, um, who was it? Entertainment Tonight, or was it one of those shows that does like things after every episode? Yeah. And and then I remember a producer cutting it short and just saying, "Get inside" or whatever. And I ran, and then that's when um, that's when Rachel came in and and came back, and and she was crying, and you know she told us what happened, and none of us had seen this girl, yeah. <laughs> seen what she looked like. Yeah. You know, I was like, "Yo, like, was she cute?" You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Was she like white? Was she black? Was she Hispanic? Like, can you like somebody describe her? You know, uh, nobody. She was, she was trash. You know? Is what she was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but well, I mean, okay. So, so she explains that to you. You obviously haven't seen her. But when, when Demario showed back up at the cocktail party, if you were yeah. Rachel, would you have let him back on? No. Okay. No, I mean not in that situation. But um, not in that situation, right? At the same time, it's like thing is like I didn't know anything till watching. When I'm watching this show, I'm like, I don't know. I was a little torn because a part of me was like, um, like how do we really know this is his girlfriend? Like I felt like anybody like that, that, that it could be anyone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Someone who I was just talking to, you know what I mean, or or, or seeing, you know what I mean, could could come on and say that. So I was like, so a little bit a part of me after watching the show was like, okay, like, I don't know, this lady, this girl didn't give no real proof, you know what I mean? Like, how the hell, you've never met his parents, you've never, and how long y'all been dating? And so I was like, all right. But then again, I'm like, okay, like, maybe he could have, had he explained himself a little better, like, you know what I'm saying? And he probably could have stayed in the house, you know, I don't know. But but it's just like, I wasn't really sure, man. So to answer the question, like, so if she had, she let him back in, I, I could kind of see her doing that, but the fact that she didn't, I don't knock her for that either. You know what I mean? So it's like it was a tough call because at the same at one, on one on one hand, you're not trying to, you know, at least come off like this is some gimmicky thing if you're confronted with by a girl who's saying that she's with someone. So you don't you don't you wanna kinda like wanna make the best decision. So I feel like, you know, America would have ripped her had she let him back in. Because yeah. let, let's say she lets him back in. She's like, wait a minute. So you let a guy back in who, when a girl comes and tell you that they just had sex, yeah, you know I mean. So I kind of see, I kind of could could, could 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 sympathize with her decision. But on the other hand, had she, um, the the fact that if she did let him back in, you know, I, I could see that as well because it's like, I don't know if that was real, like real hardcore proof that that was his girlfriend. Because till this day, he 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 contends they were never in a relationship. You know, yeah. It seems um, like it was just it was just a girl he was yeah, hooking up with, and she took yeah, it girl was hooking up with, and it's like you know, and 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 the thing is, man, maybe she saw an opportunity, man, because oh, like I'm sure it you was. know, because think about it, think about it, like this is how you choose, choose to confront them. You know how many releases and how many damn paperwork you got to sign just to get on this on to get the camera to film you. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah. I'm thinking, so I'm like literally, so people 
books in this, but I'm thinking about all the behind the scenes stuff. I'm like, how many damn, how many documents did she sign before? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how many? Th- you know what I mean? So I'm like, I'm she, yeah, thinking she doesn't head. just wander onto the set and all of a sudden she's <laughs> yeah, on a exactly. show it's watched by like eight million just, people every week. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it doesn't work like that. You don't just like appear. You like, know what I'm saying? How, so like, I'm, how would she even know where the date was being held? Unless exactly. You know, so it's like, I mean, well, that point, well, I mean, I, that was explained a little bit. They said because I, I think they did. Mom, I think Eric's aunt or someone was also there because apparently they they um broadcast oh, that's it on right. the radio. It was it was also on their Twitter account where they said, "Hey, if you want to be a part of a exactly. date because it was the Kareem Abdul Jabbar date." That's right, exactly. So, so so I'm thinking, so that's you know, and he yeah, did, did he does live that. in that's and right. he does he does live in L.A. So there you go. Yeah, you know what I mean. So so there's that. You know what I'm saying? But she still had to go through a lot of production exactly. she stuff still to get on to the show. She still had to go through stuff. She didn't, just, she didn't just pop up. You know what I mean? So, you know, and, and it's a TV show. So I'm sure, you know, it was, it was great material. You know, yeah. so yeah, she was, gave them, it was, it was, it was kind of funny. It, it it's, funny. And, and it certainly didn't, I mean, looking back on it, after everything went down on Paradise, it certainly didn't help Demario's case, not, you know, in man. the public eye. It did not. So. It did not. So, so like, Man, I felt so bad for tomorrow, right? Because yeah. like this guy gets kicked off a show, right, yeah. for doing this, and then go get his redemption on Paradise. And go then get his redemption, <laughs> then, man. Oh yeah, my god, it was like, yo, on on a conference call. Sorry, <laughs> no, no problem. Yeah, man. So, um, well, we'll we'll, so feel, we'll get to uh, feel, we'll get to Paradise in a little bit because I want to yeah, yeah. I want to get your thoughts on that. But for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because you were very unfamiliar with the show, as the show's going along, you know, episode two, episode three, group date for you, you guys go to South Carolina, another group mm-hmm. date for Josiah, like, was it something you ever brought up to Rachel? Like, hey, what am I going to get a one-on-one? Or did you just kind of go with the flow and be like, all right, I guess I'm just a group date guy? No, I brought it up. I remember, so, um, I brought it up because... So like a lot of stuff people don't see, right? Yeah. So a lot of like a lot of our conversations, well, not a lot, but towards the end, I remember her saying stuff like, you know, um, you don't you don't ask me questions or whatever. And I was like, oh shit, this is that's when I saw the end coming. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> that's when I was like, all right, that's not a good thing to say to me right now. Um, you know, but it was weird because, dude, like, so after after we had that, um. You know, after the Demario thing that night, when I got the group date rose, I felt like, okay, this is amazing. I'm on cloud nine. I'm doing very well, right? We had a shared a kiss, yeah. And then, and I'm like, okay, this is going well. But then it's like, I just felt like a shift in energy, and I, I really attribute it to like, you know, a lot of people saying stuff to her because there's a lot of stuff that didn't air. So like, you know, obviously Iggy, what he said, but then there was like, um. They were on that bus at one point with, um, you know, with uh, was it was with it, all the ra- uh, Raven and all those people. Oh, yeah, when they were going the to girls. the mud wrestling date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember so, and it's an air, but one of the girls asked, you know, who's this guy? Who's this guy in the house? Who's that? Who's the cocky guy? And everyone said Josiah. Hmm. Yeah, you know I mean, this came back to me. So a lot of those things were getting back to her that didn't air. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then I felt, and I, we had a conversation about it and she said, well, you know, well, no, she told me that I had no bearing on, you know, her decision or how she, her, her, the way I felt like her energy had shifted towards me. But, um, but to me, I felt like there's no way, like if someone's telling you all these things constantly, constantly bringing me up, which happened, you know, which did happen from different people. 
um, I felt like, all right, whatever, you know. And then so so then I, so I asked her, you know, after I didn't then and, and after that, I didn't get a date that week. You know, what I mean, after everyone was saying that stuff on the, you know, so I was like, all right. So then I had a conversation with her. And when she told me something about, you know, not me not asking her questions or something. And I said, now, you know, this is I'm not used to this having a fight for time or, you know, whatever. And this is why I say, man, if I had, I, I probably would have done a little, I should have done a little more homework because I mean, like guys like Adam, people always ask, wonder like, how the hell did Adam get I mean, he would have like amazing dates. Like when they would, like when they would do little things together, he would have plans and like find out what she likes. I was just, you know, taking shots and I'm like, all right, my time to go talk to her. Let me just fucking go tell her how amazing she is or whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, 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 this is my strategy. I was like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I was like, whatever I was doing from week one or week two when I got the group date was working. And then it was just like out of nowhere, she's like, well, I don't ask questions, but I, I didn't feel like that was really true. And let me, oh, another editing thing. I didn't really mind this one so much because I thought it was funny, but it was clearly, clearly edited. She was like, you don't ask questions. And then I think, and I said, my response was, you're so, um, you're so perceptive. And then I said, you're so beautiful or whatever. Like I, obviously I said those things. It was not in response. But to it wasn't in response thing. to that question. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, like it's so, it's so funny. Like I'm watching this and I'm like, are you guys retarded? Like my friends hitting me up like, dude, like, why would you? And I'm like, you actually believe uh, that's what made me realize. I'm like, wow. Like. Like this editing stuff is real because people like are truly believing that was my response. And I'm like, come on, man. It's, even if I didn't have game, like I'm going to come up with a question. I'm not going to just say you're so perceptive and you're so beautiful when she's saying, I don't say, I don't, I don't ask her questions. What I did in response was I started asking her questions. <laughs> you know what I mean? that's, that's exactly what I did. Yeah. You know? so it's like, it's kind of something that I remember later on in the season when she had that awkward conversation, I think with Dean in, uh, in Switzerland, exactly. where it was just like there was that awkwardness, but you could tell it was so chopped up. The editing was just showing the awkwardness of their of conversation. You know, and even Will's one on and Will's one on one date. Oh yeah. Um. Well, I don't. Well, that that was a long pause with them just looking out there. So I don't know. They can't really edit that. <laughs> so my man. Will, or it could have been. A, it could have been a B roll shot of them just. That's hey, true. That's true. That's just walk. Through, just walk in. Just pretend like you guys are looking at the scenery here, and then exactly. they use that as their. Exactly. They throw that in so, the middle um, of a conversation. <laughs> yes. So I don't. So I don't know much about his situation, but I mean, but just going through it, I kind of can sympathize and be like, dude, like I know it wasn't as bad. And even Jack, Jack's not like a whack guy like that. I mean, his thing just looked. <laughs> his thing looked horrible. I mean, it was like. What the hell? So, he, so he's not creepy, like <laughs> no man. Jack is cool, man. This guy, man, we hang out in L.A. Jack is hip. He's cool, man. Like Jack is a cool dude, and it's like, man. But it's fun. I mean, it's like we can all look back at it and laugh, man, because you know what you're signing up for. You literally sign your life away. You literally sign stuff. You know what this, these things say. I mean, we can depict oh, yeah. you however the hell we want to depict you. Yeah. We can make shit up. I mean, it's literally these. These some good lawyering because it's like. Anything you can think of, it's like it's in there, and so it's like you know that, but I guess you don't really like it. Doesn't hit you until you watch it. You're like, 
Yep. Okay. Yep, I see. They That's can do that. that. Yep. Yeah. So, it, and, and it's funny, man. It, it's funny, but it's it's not funny when like like these freaking fanatics like really believe this shit. And I'm yeah. like, yeah. man. But you know, it is what it is. Your your big moment, so to speak, on the show was the spelling bee group date in South Carolina. Yeah. You you won the group date. Group date after party comes around. There's a lot of drama with Iggy. So. Set the record straight on that. Was that something that was was blown out of proportion for TV purposes, or did you no, really have an issue with no, Iggy? No, the thing about it is, you know, so what's what's crazy, right, is that I feel like they they cut a lot out. So to to I guess for ABC, you know, it, it was worse than that. You know, it was because it was like people. It's like all right, dude. Like I think even producers were like, okay, like these guys are like, well, Josiah's getting really serious. You know what I mean? So. I got really pissed off because, you know, I'm laughing, having a good time. I didn't even hear him. He was like tapping me and saying stuff. And I'm like, I'm drunk out of my mind. And then he's like, yeah, Josiah or something. And I'm like, what? And he was like, yeah, I just had a conversation with Rachel. And your name came. I'm like, and it literally hit me like, is this, what is, what's happening? Is this, does this guy just do that shit? The same thing he did to Eric? And I just flipped out on him. And I said a lot worse than that, wow. you know? And yeah, I said a lot worse. And, you know, just and, because, he, br- just because he brought you up to her, you basically were just no. Like, well, well, no, because we had a very long conversation and we were in each other's face, and he was saying certain things, and I'm like, then I was starting to call him a bitch, right? Mm-hmm. And then he was like, well, you know, well, why don't call me a fucking bitch? And then you know, I was, I was just like, well, what are you gonna do about it? And then, and then you know, then it got it got a little more serious once I said that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But me and Iggy are really we're cool friends now. Again, like Iggy's a cool dude, but I mean when you're in these situations, man, a lot of this stuff can, you know, bring out a lot of tension and all that stuff. So, you know, I don't think he realized how he would be depicted either. Because I'm sure he I'm sure he wouldn't do it again. I mean, yeah, he said on the on the on the reunion that he would do it again, but I mean he was getting a lot of flack for, you know, tattletailing. But at the same time it's like we're all cool. I mean, we did an event together down here in South Florida. Um, you know. We're we're all buddies, but I mean, it was just a disappointing situation. I couldn't believe he did that, and um, and yeah, we got into it, you know. And it happens, especially it happens, on the show. Man. I mean, plus it happens. They it put the, but, put it this way: if there was something that they see, just a little bit of it, like rubbing two sticks together, and you start to see a little bit of a flame, these producers are the ones that come in and throw gasoline on it. Like they oh, know how sure. to get people against each other. That's for sure. That's, for that's sure. why there's fights and cattiness every season. No yeah, matter for sure. Who's man. on the show. And there's no television they, show. If there's no drama, you know, it's just exactly boring. Everybody got together. Everybody got exactly. Along. Well, another thing, right? So, so a really, hold on a second. So, um, another interesting thing about how editing and depiction, right? So I'm not going to say the guy's name, but I got into it in a similar way that same night, like literally within like 10 minutes of the Iggy situation with another guy in the show. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was probably it was right on par with how I said how it got really serious with Iggy. It was it was within that same context. And they didn't air that. Right. Because that doesn't fit any storyline because this guy is a, a really nice guy on the show. And, you know, he has a very good image from. You know how the show, the story, his storyline. Yeah, it doesn't. Our argument and that serious. It was like it was a. It wasn't no TV shit. It wasn't. It was like, all right, bro. Like, bro. Like, I'm, I may be a corporate dude, but you know, this could get serious too. Like, whatever you want to do. You know, I mean, it was one of those type of situations, right? Mm-hmm. And I was shocked to see it within air. But then I, I thought about it. I'm like, 
makes no like they don't just put stuff on there because like I mean a lot of stuff is cool, but it's like it has to fit a story. You know what I mean? And it just didn't fit his narrative, and it would it would kind of take away from the me and Iggy argument because then it would show like you know what it's not just a beef with Iggy or maybe you know what I'm saying because the Iggy thing it I I guess it would take away from Iggy snitching. Does yeah. that make sense? No, it, it would be like it, it, you know what I'm saying because it's like. Iggy snitches and me having a big argument, but I'm having another argument. It kind of like, you know what I mean? They just wanted, they wanted to highlight the Iggy thing and they, they really didn't air any of the other thing. Um, and I'm glad they didn't because me, I'm really cool with that person too. And literally we squashed it like five minutes later, but it was just, it just got really, you know, it got really testy because me and him were going out of that whole day about just different stuff, you know, uh, I mean, from the, on the boat. And then, um, then we, got, we were just going at it the whole freaking day, man in the house away from the cameras wow interesting you know what i'm saying yeah yeah, yeah. you don't have to name the guy but what i mean yeah, what was it over like what were you guys arguing about that it got uh, to that point i mean iggy i could understand I, because he was yeah, bringing her name up to was, rachel it was um again it was a rachel thing so it was oh, okay. like it was like it was no somebody was like it starts off like people poking, poking jokes right yeah then i'm like all right that's cool that's fine you know i'm a big boy we can joke back and forth you know, just like just when I'm around Rachel, if we're like, if you see it was a serious moment, don't try to come around and be, say certain jokes because I can feel like now, now I feel like it's not just necessarily joking, but now you're kind of hating because now you're like trying to like focus her attention on something else and kind of. So the person did it, like, and like literally, we just had a conversation about ah, like, all right, okay. we're going to keep these things, but but then it was like right in the boat in front of everyone, like just said it, and I'm like. Whoa, the fuck was that, bro? Like we just had this conversation, and then so all right, so like I'm doing like a little. So I walk off to the side. I'm doing like a little interview, and he comes and talks to me, and then he's like, "Yo, I feel like you know, you you know, you got something on your chest. You want to get off?" I'm like, "No, actually, I don't." But you know, so we're we're talking about it, and then it turns into an argument. Then we're like, "All right, bro, then whatever." Then I get into it with the Iggy thing that night, and then kind of he feels like a little of the, the stuff i'm saying because again they didn't hear a lot of it i'm saying a lot of stuff i'm like saying things out loud like man bitches in here a lot of bitches and i'm just really mad yeah and he felt like he felt like dude like put a name on that if you're saying so who are you talking i'm like well, i'm talking about it he was like oh, i thought you were talking about me i'm like if i'm talking about y'all tell you and then it was like then it got even more yeah you know i mean yeah. so you know what i'm saying so it's like none of that made it which is cool but it's like, but you can see how like that started from earlier that day. Then it was, it, but none of, but it just didn't fit his story at all. Yeah, <laughs> at all. There's just so much stuff that the audience every season just does not see. I mean, mm-hmm. one episode in South Carolina is basically four days. There's a one on one. There's yeah. a group date. There's a one on one. There's a rose ceremony. Four days. So that's you know that's 96 hours of footage. Assuming they're you know basically 20 yeah, yeah, hours yeah. a day, and it's cut yeah. into literally 80 minutes a week. Like it's yeah, man. There's so, so like, much stuff that is just not shown, and they have to only pick and choose stuff that advances the narrative that they want the audience exactly. to see. Exactly. So if it doesn't advance the narrative, it gets cut. Yeah. You know, me and Anthony had um, uh, the realest moment I had with Anthony. Man, he opened up to me about something. And I'm not going to share what he said because I haven't heard him say anything publicly about it yet. But it was a similar story to mine, about my brother. So it was a very similar story. And he opened up to me. And, man, I broke down hearing his story and just reliving our story, my story. And then we hugged and we're both crying, right? Mm-hmm. And we're just talking about it because I felt like, man, I felt like a brother. I felt like I really felt like he was my brother in that situation because mm-hmm. – 
he could really relate. And he heard my story through the grapevine and he, he, we were just sitting there talking about something random. We were literally talking about Iggy. This is, I remember what we were talking about. I was talking to him about Iggy and I said, what location were you in during this conversation? We were, um, we were wherever the, in South Carolina, South back Carolina, in okay. the, in the, in the hotel and their cameras there. And we were sitting there discussing the Iggy situation and I was talking to him and I was really upset with myself again, because it, it was a lot worse. And I'm like, damn, I'm going to look like I just fell right into that stereotype you know what i'm saying yeah i felt like so i'm talking to him as another black man i'm like man i'm really disappointed in myself because how i acted how i responded to iggy again they cut a lot of it out but i was like man like i really went off on this guy he was like man it wasn't as bad as you think it was you know whatever whatever and then he was like man me then he just i don't know it shifted he was just like we have a lot in common and he just opened up to me right and then man i broke down crying and it was like we it was just such a real genuine moment that literally like like producers were like you could see their mouth drop right um but then i was like i was happy we had that moment in a sense because it was like although it was so sad and was but it was it was so authentic you know and we talked about everything we talked about suicide we talked about suicide in the black community we talked about mental illness in the black community we talked about a lot of different things and then for it not to air, I was so disappointed. But then I thought, how can they? How would they ever fit that into a cocky, arrogant guy storyline? Yeah, doesn't it doesn't make sense? And it doesn't it advance doesn't, any storyline or narrative. It doesn't with Rachel advance either. anything with Rachel. It doesn't advance anything. So it's like you got to always remember, you know, if it doesn't advance the storyline, you know, it's not. But then I was thinking, man, had the audience saw this, it would have definitely. Um, you know, I guess shed more light on me than just this cocky guy, which I'm not, you know, which I, I'm just a, I, I guess I like to, um, showboat in a funny way, Yeah. but then it's like, comes off as cocky. You know what I mean? Like a lot, even at the, um, you know, a lot of the guys in the show, like nobody in the show thinks I'm freaking cocky. They yeah. all know, um, you know, none of them think, none of them think that, you know what I mean? They just think he's just a funny guy. You know what I mean? You're ham. You hammed it up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. But, you know, it is what it is. Well, that'll do it for part one of the Josiah Graham interview. Just a fascinating guy. I mean, that story that he told in that first 20 minutes where I think he talked for 15 minutes straight. And I was just, I wasn't going to stop him. It was such an interesting story of how this kid grew up. Who he was surrounded with and basically everybody going to jail or ending up dead and him making it out because he decided that he wouldn't want to go that route. It's pretty amazing for for a 12-year-old. But such good insight to the show, how it works, um, the character that he was portrayed as. Uh, just great stuff by Josiah. And um, that's part one. Part two, you're going to hear him talk uh, openly about the Lee situation. Kenny and Lee, everything that went down at the men tell all, what his thoughts were on the whole Peter uh, breakup how that played out. He's friends with Brian. He definitely brings that up. We talk about the Bachelor in Paradise scandal with Demario. Did it become a race issue? He guys obviously very well read, very articulate, and is very forthcoming in his opinions on things in, in regards to what happened with this show. So thank you very much uh, for tuning in to today's podcast. Uh, 
I can't say enough about how impressed I was with Josiah. And I, I can't imagine, and I'm not going to tell you guys how to think, but I can't imagine you weren't oppressed uh, by that guy listening to that last hour. So thank you again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And we will be back next week with part two of the Josiah Graham interview. Um, if you could rate, subscribe, and review in iTunes, I would really appreciate it. But until then, thank you to Josiah for this week. Hear him again next week with part two, and we will talk to you soon. See you.